Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hi, this is Lynn from the North Valley Regional Library in Anthem, and I'm here today with Kim. And we're going to talk about some of our favorite mysteries. So, Kim, what kind of mystery do you like to read? I like thrillers, I like historical uh, mysteries, and I like cozy mysteries. I like cozy mysteries as well, and historical, and some humorous stories. Um, My sister shares her mysteries with me, and she tends to like the same, but she tends to read darker mysteries, and sometimes a snarky mystery as well. And what is a snarky mystery? Oh, sarcastic, kind of witty mysteries like Timothy Dorsey or um, the Spellmans, that kind of mystery. Okay. Yeah. So I was going to start today with The Winds Are Not by S.J. Bennett. And what drew me to this book was the cover and the fact that the sleuth is Queen Elizabeth II. Oh, wow. That's yeah. That's interesting. Who knew? Well... <laughs> so it's true. <laughs> well, uh, who knows, you know? <laughs> now, well, the conceit of the story is that she has so many years of experiences, experience and is good at reading people. She's been around a lot of people. And so she has been solving mysteries ever since she was coronated. Oh, interesting. Okay. So maybe it is true. <laughs> maybe it is true. This book is set in 2016, and Queen Elizabeth is planning her 90th birthday celebration at Windsor Castle, and it's the morning after a dine and sleep, so a royal slumber party. Okay, that sounds fun. And she's shocked to discover that one of her guests, Maxim Brodsky, a Russian pianist, has been found dead, hung by a rope. But further inquiry shows that he was murdered. (gasps) Um, Gavin Humphreys, he's the new head of MI15, and neither the Queen nor the Corgis really like him. (laughs) He thinks that it was done uh, by a Russian sleeper, that Putin has put somebody in the castle to harm the Queen or get rid of um, an anti-Russian. The queen believes that Putin is a bully, but that he wouldn't be so heavy-handed. After all, one does not just put a spy in someone else's castle. One would hope not. So she enlists the help of her new private secretary, Rosie Oshodi, to make discreet inquiries. Rosie's family is from Nigeria, and she was previously in the royal military, so she can handle herself. Um, But she has to do these investigations without letting the rest of the staff know because nobody else knows that the queen is investigating and rosie follows up on several leads for the queen whom she calls the boss very fondly she's very fond of the queen and um when i was reading this book i thought that the author did a great job of portraying the queen and how her household runs and I kept thinking, how much of this story is real? Because it seems really real. And it turned out that the author used the Queen's publicly available daily schedule to help plan out parts of the story. And that her father was in the army and he often had to interact with the Queen. So she had some inside knowledge when she wrote the book. 
And I also enjoyed the character of Prince Philip. He comes in and out of the story and has his great warning manners that he gives. And I think he was probably a hoot to know in person. So I would think that anyone who enjoyed watching The Crown on Netflix would enjoy this story. And it is hard because the queen has to sort of sit there while the police and MI15 tell her how they solved the crime. Oh, yeah. Even though she solved it herself. The author has a sequel called All the King, All the Queen's Men, also set in 2016, but this time in Buckingham Palace where somebody ends up dead inside the swimming pool. And she has a new book called Murder Most Royal, set in Sangrium House at Christmas time, and that comes out in September. So I'm excited to read that one. That sounds like good, good books. I'm going to have to put that one on my and the book is available in audio and ebook on Hoopla and on Libby, so you can enjoy reading them digitally if you like. Nice. Good. All right. Did you have a story for us, Kim? Yes. I read the story 56 Days. Mm-hmm. It was written... Oh, i got to find my place. Yes, my sister recommended that book to me. It was written by Catherine Ryan Howard, and... It's a mystery that just keeps you guessing to the very end. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, it opens 56 days ago with a couple meeting for the first time in an apartment in a Starbucks. And um, it's just right before COVID happens. And so their relationship gets put kind of on a, a speed um, intimacy. They mm-hmm. start out perfect strangers, and then they end up being locked down together during COVID. So it kind of adds um, some, it adds to the mystery because they really don't know each other and they're alone together for a lot of time. So that's kind of an interesting um, little twist in there. But uh, um, so it starts with a couple meeting for the first time, and then it fast forward to today, and two rookie cops are sent to an apartment by a nosy neighbor who is constantly calling the police. So the police really don't take her seriously. So they send these two rookies to go, and it it turns out that there's actually a badly decomposed body um, and that the bad smell is that body. So, um, of course, all of the... Well, I know that they're concerned about the rookies and did they properly secure the crime Exactly. Scene. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this story slowly unfolds and it gives three different people's points of view. So it has Lee, who is the investigating detective, and she is a professional. She is not a rookie. Uh, so it gives what she's seeing and her, her point of view in this whole mystery. Then there's Kira, who's the young woman, who is the one who meets the man at Starbucks. And Oliver is the man um, who met Kira at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. And um, they start a budding romance, but as time goes on, you start to wonder. You hear Kira's point of view, and you think that that, um, Oliver is probably... um, not such a good guy, maybe. But then you hear Oliver's side of the story, and you start to wonder about Kira. Mm-hmm. And, and is she maybe not on the up and up? 
So there's a lot of secrets that are revealed, and it really keeps you guessing to the very end. And I think you read this story, too. Did you read this one? Yeah, my sister recommended it to me. She really enjoyed it. Uh, she said it kept her guessing until the very end. So it kind of, we don't really even know till almost halfway through the book whose body they find in the apartment. And it tells us the story, and then it goes back, and it tells us through Oliver's point of view, and then goes back through Kira's point of view. So each time you have a different point of view, it really does change your perspective of what's happening in the story. Um, the only thing I didn't really agree with was the ending. I felt like the author maybe manipulated the ending a little bit to make make it fit. Um, that part, I was sort of like, hmm, I don't know if the character would have acted that way. But it certainly did keep you guessing. And it was pretty unique that it was set during the pandemic. So they're, you know, wiping down their groceries because... Yeah, that was funny, wasn't it? Because it was right at the beginning of the pandemic and all those things that we forget happened. And I think how crazy scary of them to, like, go into lockdown with somebody you don't don't really know. So... Yeah, I would agree with you. I didn't love the ending of this one, but the book itself I really enjoyed. Um, This one is also available on Hoopla and Overdrive. Um, So you can get it digitally if you would like to, or you can get it in the hardcover if that's how you like to read. All right. Well, the next book I wanted to share was Finley Donovan is Killing It by Ellie Posamino. I think that's how you say her name. And Finley Donovan's life is in chaos. She's recently divorced from her philandering husband. She currently has a two-year-old covered in maple syrup and a four-year-old who has just cut her own hair, (laughs) managing to partially scalp herself. And she's scrambling to find the hair pieces and and ends up duct taping them to her daughter's head. (laughs) She keeps... Missing the deadline for her new romance suspense novel, and her ex-husband has just fired the nanny, making it impossible for her to write. And he also tells her that he is going to try to get full custody of the kids so they can live with him and the fiancé, his new fiancé, full-time. On top of that, she is deeply in debt. There are so many bills, they are just, like, piled up on her porch, in short, her life stinks, and she is hanging on by a thread. Yeah, sounds pretty miserable. <laughs> then, while having lunch with her literary agent at a local restaurant, the woman in the next booth overhears her conversation. You know, she's talking about she's getting tired of the ways to kill these people, and she wants a uh, $15,000 advance. And, of course, this <laughs> woman wrongly concludes that Finley is a killer for hire. <laughs> Suddenly... She has a note in her bag offering her $50,000 to kill the woman's abusive low-life husband. And Finley's no killer, but the money would help cover all of her debt, let her rehire the nanny, and get a good lawyer so she can get custody of her children. So surely there's no harm in just following the man, right? No. The next thing you know, she has a dead man in her minivan, and she's dodging a handsome police officer. Oh, no. She is also calling a sexy barman who thinks she's someone else, and somehow she's managed to involve the Russian mob. This laugh-aloud mystery will please fans of the Spellman Files and Janet Abadovich. 
One reviewer said it was part comedy of errors, part genuine thriller. There are two sequels to the book, Finley Donovan Knocks Him Dead and Finley Donovan Jumps the Gun. And the first book is available in audio and ebook uh, through Libby. And the audiobook is available on PeopleSO, no waiting, if you want to listen to it. And the audiobook was very good. I really enjoyed it. And I'm just going to read you the first part of the first chapter because I thought this was hysterical. It says, it's a widely known fact that most moms are ready to kill someone by 8.30 a.m. on any given morning. On the particular morning of Tuesday, October the 8th, I was ready by 7.45. If you've never had to wrestle a two-year-old slathered in maple syrup into a diaper while your four-year-old decides to give herself a haircut in time for preschool, all while trying to track down the whereabouts of your missing nanny as you sop sop up coffee grounds from an overflowing pot, because in your sleep-deprived fog, you forgot to put in the filter. Let me spell it out for you. I was ready to kill someone. I really didn't care who. <laughs> and I think most moms can identify with the morning chaos. <laughs> Definitely been there. That sounds great. Yeah, it was a fun book. I'm looking forward to the second book in the series. That sounds fun. Yep. So I know you like cozy mysteries. Have you ever read a Marilyn or Gina mystery? Yeah, I've read those. I've actually listened to them on Hoopla. So this one I just uh, listened to recently is the third in the series called Murder Cuts the Mustard, and it's written by Jessica Ellicott. And these are just fun, uh, cozy mysteries. So Beryl is an adventurist, an American adventurist. Um, She ends up in a small English village, and um, the reason she comes is because there's prohibition in America she doesn't want to be ambushed and have alcohol. So she goes to England and she's not leaving until prohibition is is over. Well, I would say too, she's also looking for a friend or companionship. She is. And one of the ways is by living with Edwina. She is. And Edwina is her friend from boarding school Mm -hmm. when she was young. And Edwina finds herself kind of low on and so she it opens her home as at, takes takes in boarders, and so um, Beryl shows up at her door, and through um, different circumstances, they end up starting a detective agency together. So in this um, book, it's their third adventure, um, and. The gardener, Simpkins, who is um, a great character in this story, he's a barrel because she's American, is she does not care about um, proper etiquette. She and she does not understand class. Um, Edwina, on the other hand, is very concerned about all of those things, and Simpkins takes great advantage. Um, and even though he's the gardener, he likes to come and eat breakfast with them, things like that. And Beryl welcomes him in, and it drives Edwina crazy because he should not be doing that as a gardener. Anyway, in this story, he is um, suspected of murdering his brother-in-law, and so they have to prove his innocence. And uh, I'm not going to tell you a lot about this story. I'm just going to say that... Um, Ellicott does a really good job of advancing the characters mm-hmm. throughout the series as they go. They kind of 
they kind of change and grow and Beryl and Nadine have bounced off each other so nicely with their different personalities and their different points of view. Um, one of my favorite lines in this book is made by Beryl when she's um, she's done something that she shouldn't do and then she says, after all, what fun were mistakes if you kept making the same ones? Mm -hmm. And I like that because that's kind of her. She doesn't really care if she if she does things wrong or makes mistakes, but she doesn't want to be doing someone's ultimate she wants new adventures all the time. Yeah, I've read that series and I really enjoyed it. In fact, that was my favorite book in the series. I think this is the one where Simpkins comes into an inheritance and just it changes his relationship with Edwina and Beryl. It's really a nice story. And I like how having Beryl there gives Edwina more confidence that she kind of her character develops in ways that it wouldn't have without Beryl being there. Yes, and also Beryl changes too, and she kind of settles down a little bit, I think. And right. Becomes a little calmer. Because she kind of comes out. Quite the adventurous. She's been, I think she's a pilot. And she's yeah. She's a flown movie. everywhere. So that was she's a really been on interesting. And yeah, I really like that story a, a great deal. Yeah, that's a fun one. And you can find that one also on Hoopla. All right. All right. The next story I wanted to talk about was The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. I really like this mystery. And the author said in an, in an interview that he had visited a peaceful rural retirement village and thought, what a great place for a murder. <laughs> and then he thought, well, I don't really want to commit a murder, so I'll write about one. <laughs> And so we did, and that's how we got the Thursday Murder Club. The Thursday Murder Club consists of four retirees. There's Red Ron, who's an infamous socialist, and if there's any union striking that needs to be done, Ron is your man. There's Ibrahim, who's a former therapist who keeps files of all his clients and understands the darker side of humanity. There's Joyce. She's the newest member and a widow and a former nurse. She's a sweetheart, but don't let you, don't let that fool you. Joyce knows how to get things done. Okay. And there's Elizabeth. And what does Elizabeth do? Nobody knows, but it involves the Secrets Act. Oh. <laughs> and that they know she has something to do with government. And they meet every Thursday in the Jigsaw Room at Cooper's Chase. And Cooper's Chase is a luxurious retirement village. If I have to retire, that's where I want to retire people. And they meet in between art history and conversational French. And their cover is Japanese opera, a discussion. So, of course, nobody else wants nobody to join wants to them. <laughs> and the four friends... Can we call them friends? Yes, I think we can call them friends. <laughs> they meet and they go over cold case murders. Then they get a murder of their own, a fresh murder, oh. when a local developer and former drug dealer is found dead, not far from Cooper's Chase. He also happened to be the developer of Cooper's Chase and has just been fired by the owner of Cooper's Chase, the man that developed it, Ian, who's quite a character himself. 
And soon, one murder becomes two, and then three, as the past intertwines with the present. And they need to use all their expertise and canny ability to solve a crime. They also need an in with the police. So they set out to charm Police Constable Donna DeFredis, who is visiting to give a talk on safety at Cooper's Chase. Though they tell her... Nothing about windows, dear. We know all about windows, and we know not to talk to anybody from Nigeria. (laughs) So next thing you know, using their influence, Elizabeth has Donna assigned to the case, and much to her joy, because she's super excited. She's from London, so she thought she would never get a murder case in this little town. And they soon have the attention of her boss, Detective Chief Inspector Chris Hudson. Can, can they solve the mystery before the detectives? And I, I really like Detective Chris Hudson, too, because he's, you know, a little, he's older and knows that he needs to do some changes in his life. He's just a nice character, and to see him kind of grow in the story is nice. And he doesn't care that they're solving the mystery, too? Well, he doesn't really have much of a choice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kirkus Reviews said, What follows is a fascinating primer in detection as British TV personality Osman allows the members to use their diverse skills to solve a series of interconnected crimes. And they call it a top-class cozy. And I would, I would have to agree. There's a lot of humor in this story, but you're not really laughing at the characters. You're laughing with them. Um, one of my favorite scenes is when they're trying t- to time how long we take to drive from the retirement home to the home where the murder took place. And, of course, the only one who can drive is Ibrahim because Joy hasn't driven for 30 years. And it's Ron's car, but he can't drive. And Elizabeth is only, like, allowed to drive a tractor or a tank. She has a tank license, people. <laughs> And, of course, he's driving under the speed limit, but he's using his math skills to figure out if they, were going the speed limit. If they could make it if they were driving the speed limit. So <laughs> it's just hysterical that way. Um, and he's written two sequels, The Man Who Died Twice and The Bullet That Missed. And they're both very good. In fact, I think the newest one, The Bullet That Missed, was even better than the second one. And he's got a new book called The Last Devil to Die that's coming out in September. Um, the audiobook and the ebook are available on Libby, though I know you tried to listen to the audiobook and had a hard time because it kind of goes back and forth with different viewpoints in the story. So it's I a little had hard. a really hard time following that story on, on um, Libby. I'm going to go back and read it. It's, it's a hard book. Because mm-hmm. it, it is very, it's a very humorous story. Uh, I really enjoy. I really enjoy, especially Elizabeth Elizabeth's character. And as the stories progress, they become even more friends. You can see them kind of working more together. So I do really appreciate the books. So, did you have something you wanted to another one to share? I always enjoy the uh, Louise Penny books, the Armand Ganache series. And that one's a little bit quieter, slower-moving kind of mystery. She really builds the um, setting mm-hmm. quite well. And um, 
we read one of her books for book discussion, and then I went and listened to some of them. They are good. Uh-huh. They're a little slower. They're slower. There's more character development. There's a lot of character development, and like I said, a lot of a lot of focus on the settings. It's um, definitely not a thriller. It's Don't they take place in um, Mont? Montreal uh, or uh, Quebec, but like in this mysterious town. Yeah, in this little town with three pines um, that's just very small. They're always just sitting in the woods, and it's usually winter and cold. Um, and the thing I like about it is I really like the relationship between Armand and his wife, Ren Marie. It's just a really sweet, deep relationship. They've been married for a long time. I don't know how many years, but you can tell that it's that they've been married a long time, and their relationship is just very deep and very comfortable, um, which I I really like. It just reflects well that they're good friends. They work well together. Uh, they love each other deeply. And then Armand also has um, relationships with the the detectives that are under him. And some they're they're not all easy relationships. He's got some people that are uh, not necessarily completely on the up and up and trustworthy, and he really works um, to give people second chances to kind of help them grow and develop. And he's always willing to take on young detectives and kind of try and um, get them going in in the in the field. So uh, I really appreciate all mm-hmm. of those stories. And the, the, if, uh, I, this is one that I think it really helps to read the first one first and oh, yeah. through the series. It doesn't matter to the story so much, but it really helps you see those relationships. Well, I think the, the characters in the novel, some of them grow and come in and out of the story. So it makes more sense, I think, if you read them in order. Yeah, it really You kind of get a better understanding. And I would say, um, I when we read it, that she based Inspector Gamash on her husband, who died from Alzheimer's. And he has almost like a supernatural, like wise, sage kind of character. Yes, definitely. Like the old man character. Yes. Definitely mm-hmm. a fatherly figure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it is a slow moving story. I know when we read it in for book discussion, a lot of the ladies went back and started reading her books because they really enjoyed it. So the other thing I like about those is like you can really see a theme. I feel like these are more like literary stories. You can see a, a theme through the book. Like um, one of, one of the books, he was talking about, he said, we're all blessed and we're all blighted. Every day, each of us fills our sums. The question is, what do we count? He's talking about, do we count, you know, do we look at the world from a positive point of view? We have these experiences. We can choose if we want to look at the negative. We can choose if we want to look at the positive. And um, it's, it's up to us, the perspective that we have. So there's a lot of depth in the stories, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that's true. Well, I wanted to talk about a historical mystery I read, and it's called Death Below Stairs by Jennifer Ashley. And my sister introduced me to this one as well. 
And it's set in 1881 Victorian England. Cat Halloway is a much sought after book. And she's just entered this new household of Lord Rankin, Rankin and his delicate wife, Lady Rankin, and her cross-dressing sister, Lady Cynthia. And Lady Cynthia is kicking against the traditional plight of Victorian women. She just doesn't want to be married and just doesn't want to be tied down. So, and I assume when you say cross-dressing, she wears pants. Yes, she wears men's clothes. She wears dresses too, but she feels freer running around in men's clothes. Well, Kat doesn't mind the eccentricities of her employers as long as they do not invade her kitchen space. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not long before death visits below stairs, hence the title, Death Below Stairs, when her young Irish kitchen maid, Sinead, is found dead in the larder. Kat is curious and feels obliged to help discover who killed the young maid, and the murder did take place in her kitchen, so she's not happy about that. So she turns to the mysterious Daniel McAdam, who's a jack-of-all-trades, who seems to be much more than just the delivery man. Mm, mysterious man. And he also helped, he's, she's also helped by Daniel's 15-year-old son, James. Then there is Lady Cynthia, who is interested in the case and wants to help solve the mystery. And I just love Lady Cynthia's character. She's very charming. Is she a true lady? Yes, she is a true lady, and she really does want to help. And soon they're dashing all about discovering the maid's death was the tip of a treasonous plot. So, and Kat has her own secret. She was involved in a bigamous marriage, which she did not know until her husband died. And she has a young daughter named Grace, and so she pays to have Grace brought up in another household, a nice household, but she's always in danger of having her secret revealed because at this time, she is considered tainted that she was in a bigamous marriage, even though she innocently did not know that her husband had another wife. So the author introduced the character of Kate Holloway in a novella, novella a soup, soup cone of poison, and it's available as an ebook on Libby and an e-audio on Hoopla if you want to get introduced to the characters. That's where she first meets Daniel McAdams. And in that little novella, she's been accused of poisoning, which for a cook, you know, is terrible yes. if your master dies because right away <laughs> the finger is good. on you. Yeah, that's not what you want. And there's six books in this series, and they've all been good. I mean, I feel like I really learned something um, in the stories. I guess my only quibble in the book is that she spends a lot of time running around solving the mystery and not enough time in the kitchen cooking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, nobody wants her to cook because somebody died. (laughs) Well, they go to, like, Kew Gardens. They go to different places in London that I did not really know about, and so I, I think that's interesting. And then um, the last book I have is The Widows of Malabar Hill by Suja Massey. I hope I'm saying that right. And this is a mystery about Praveen Mystery, M-I-S-T-R-Y. And she is a Parsi. So Parsis came to India 
think in the 6th or 7th century, there were Zoroastrians from the area of Iran. And they came and settled in Mumbai, but now it was Bombay at the time. So her family helped build a lot of Bombay. So she comes from a very well-respected family. And her father is a lawyer. And she becomes one of the first women lawyers in India. She's not allowed to present a case in court because that's not allowed because she's a female. Wow. But she can do a lot of the paperwork and talk to clients. So they are executors to the will of a wealthy Muslim mill owner who has died and left three widows. They get a paper from the widow saying that they want to give their money to this Muslim school. And so she thinks that that's very strange and talks her father into letting her go talk to the widows because because she's a female, she can go talk to these widows because they are kept in seclusion. And so while she's there, um, their guardian is killed. And so she has to help solve the mystery of who killed him. And they live in what's called Pura, the widows do, which means they're in complete seclusion from men and they're behind what's a jolly screen. So it's really interesting that she has an in with the female population. And um, the author has three books and there's a new book coming out in this series as well. And it's all different parts of Indian culture. So um, the newest book is like with Hindi, a Hindi family. Um, there's another Zoroastrian family. So it's really oh, interesting. Nice. So you can get different perspectives. You can. And it's it's just interesting reading like what mom, what India was like in the 1920s. And of course the widows live on Malabagal in Kolkata. So very, just a really interesting an interesting look is maybe a little bit slower than the others because it does talk about her marriage. She had married another Parsi man and it ended badly. So that talk, set up about her going to school and getting married does take up a little bit of the book. Okay. So, but interesting. And I believe it is available in audio on Hoopla and on Overdrive as an ebook. Nice. So, you might enjoy it. All right very much. We hope that you like the books and, you know, stop by the library anytime to get more suggestions. Yes. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.